in life, we try to stay positive, we try to stay upbeat, we try to maintain a, a firm emunah on the Rabbeinu Shleilam, we try to do mitzvahs and just always do the right thing. But then, very often, as we, I think, all know, we have those moments that we lack that clarity, we lack, we lack that self-assurance, self-esteem, belief, things start getting a little bit unclear, murky, sometimes our mind is filled with question marks, doesn't matter what happens if I don't do this? Does Hashem really care? There's so many other people in the world, billions of people. Does my mitzvahs matter? Does my avayda matter? Does my kavana matter? Do, does it matter as much as I think it does? And those are moments that we are in doubt, in question, and it makes life very difficult. We like the moments that we have very great clarity in everything that we do and that we're not in, in any way caught up in the nagging svekas that sometimes creep into our minds. And this Rabbi say, these svekas is the kayach of Amalek. Amalek, or more later in history, a great-grandson of Amalek by the name of Haman, who we begin to celebrate his downfall this evening as we mark Purim Katan, a day that's very happy on the calendar, a day that we don't say Tachanon, a day that we already enter the rarefied airspace of Purim, these are days that we have to focus on the Mochama, Mochama la Hashem ba'amalek midardar, the every generational Mochama, this battle that we have to fight against the forces of Amalek, the forces of Haman. And they get stronger and stronger almost as time passes. The Svarim HaKadoshim write that Amalek is begematria suffolk, because Amalek represents those doubts that enter our minds, enter our subconscious, and rattle us sometimes. And they make us not clear, not sure if everything or anything that we're doing is worthwhile. Doesn't matter. Are we relevant to the Rabbi Shalom in this world? There are many makairis for this concept that Amalek represents the Kayach of Suffolk, this doubt, this baseless, irrational doubt, which is able to cool us down, the fervor that we have in our Avedis Hashem, our Yiddishkeit, sometimes, as hot as sometimes it could be, it gets very cool. And that's the Kayach of Asher Karcha Baderech. Amalek was the power that, as we were leaving Mitzrayim and we were on fire and all the Umas Ha'elam were afraid of us, Rashi brings the Chazal that Amalek comes and jumps into the hot bathtub, as he puts it. 
And by doing so, even though he got burnt, but he was able to cool down the image, the fear, the intensity that Klal Yisrael represented in the world. Asher Karcha Baderech is the belief that Amalek tries to perpetuate that everything in life is nothing but happenstance. Asher Karcha, it's a Lashon Mikra. Nothing happens by, uh, by design, by providence. No, it's all happened. Everything that happens is just by chance. Don't take it so seriously. Don't read too much into it. Things happen. Accidents happen. Calamity happens. Good things happen. It's just coincidental. This is what Amalek wants us to believe. And by doing so, taking away our most valuable possession which is the belief in Ashkacha Pratis, the belief that everything that happens in our life, both nationally and personally, are all the design of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is mashkiach on us every step of the way, every breath that we take, every move that we make is designed by providence and that nothing happens by accident. Nothing is by chance. That's how a yid is supposed to believe. But when we stop believing that, or when we have a momentary lapse of believing that, that means that Amalek is now claiming victory over us. There's a pasuk that says, Hayesh Hashem Bekirbeinu Im Ayin. Yisrael doubted, is HaKadosh Baruch amongst us or not? And then the next Pasuk says, As soon as we have doubts, does Hashem really exist? Does Hashem really uh, dwell amongst us? Does Hashem really favor us? Are we really the chosen people? As soon as those things begin to happen, that is the perfect opportunity for Amalek to jump in to the fray and begin to do his battle. There's a Gemara at the end of Kedushan on Dapei Bezim and Aleph that speaks about Kasher Shebetabachim, the most honest, the most ethical of butchers, is Shutfa Shel Amalek. He is the partner of Amalek. What does a butcher have to do with Amalek? A kosher butcher, regular butcher. The most kosher of butchers are the partners of Amalek. So if you look at Rashi, Rashi says that Sveikai Trefais Bois Liyadai If let's say a butcher has a suffolk, I'm not sure if this animal is really kosher or not. What should he do? He should go run to the Rav and ask a Shaila. But if he finds out that the cow that he bought to carve up and to sell is treif, now he's out many thousands of dollars. So this suffolk that he has in front of him, this suffolk that this butcher has makes him tilt towards being machshirat. It's okay, it's probably going to be fine. I did this shayla before, it looks pretty similar. The rabbi's going to be okay with it. It's a big chisarn kiss for me. And he'll be matzdik saying that this animal, that's a suffolk, treifa, is kosher. That's Shutafesh al-Amalek. That concept that when we have a suffix in any sense that we say, eh, 
will go, will tilt it to the side, that's kosher, don't worry about it, suffix is not a big deal, it's fine. So that's shutafish al-amalek, that means that you're shutaf al-amalek, because that's the force of al-amalek. Al-amalek represents suffix, al-amalek festers, al-amalek is able to thrive in any matzav of suffix. Whenever there's a suffix in our mind, don't we have this all the time, we're sitting down and we want to eat something, and then we're not sure what bracha to make. So what do we do? We should, you know, ask a Rav, or maybe look it up online, ask Rabbi Google, something just to, to find, you know, a psak. What do we do? Rav Hutner once had a, a cute, sharp line. He says, he says that uh, somebody asked him on a certain type of food, I don't think it was a wrap, but one of the, they didn't have wraps back then, but some food like that that nobody really knows exactly what bracha to make on it, so he says, uh, they said, Which, what, what bracha do you make on this, they asked him. So he said, a very quiet bracha. <laughs> very quiet bracha. That's the type of food you make a quiet bracha on. What does that mean? It means that when we are in a, a suffix, no, okay, we'll just, we'll just like do a quick you know, head fake and we're good. That's Amalek. Amalek loves when we're in a suffix and we're just like, it's fine. It's not just suffix and brachas. It's suffix in other halachas and Hilcha Shabbos. It's, it's, it's a suffix in, in Hashkacha Pratis, a suffix in Bitachin, a suffix in Amuna, a suffix in how could the Holocaust happen, a suffix in how could, how could October 7th happen, and how could, uh, how could all these things happen? I, I don't know. Amalek loves that. Well, as soon as you start having these, these gnawing doubts in your mind, how could this be? Where is the Rabbi Shalom? Vayava Amalek. Amalek comes in and Amalek has, uh, he takes out his toolbox and his wrench and he starts doing a job on us. Because that's the Kayach of Amalek, that's Suffolk. Suffolk equals Amalek. Amalek equals Suffolk. It's fascinating that even in the Tyra itself, how often do we have in the Tyra a Suffolk and how to pronounce a word? I think it's just one time in the entire Torah, and that's not coincidentally in the parsha of Amalek, in the parsha of Zachar, we right parsha Zachar, we say Zecher or Zecher. We're not sure. We lost the we lost the Messiah. We have a Messiah for every other word in the Torah, but all of a sudden the parsha of Amalek, the Suffolk, do you say is the memory of Amalek Zecher Amalek Zecher Amalek? So you have to repeat the whole pasuk again, or you have to just say that word again. Is that a is that just a, a coincidence that the the only suffix in kriya satira is parshlam? No, that represents, that symbolizes, that is amalek. Amalek is the ability to to put question marks in our mind. He's not telling us it's there's no god. He's not telling us. But as soon as there is a, as soon as he has an opportunity to like to sow doubt in our minds, he's there. He's there. I want to share with you a vart that I said once many years ago. I hold it's an emes of art on this very sugya, on this, on this concept. There's a Gemara in Megillah. The Gemara in Megillah is on Daftazayin. The Gemara says that when Haman was supposed to go 
and honor Mordechai. Remember that whole story when he, he came before the king, Achashverosh, Bachatzai Salayla, and and he was trying to tell Achashverosh all the things that he thinks that he should do to honor a person, Ashramela Chavitz Bikarai, thinking that it was himself. And you know, so he said, I think he should wear the you know the the king's. Uh, the king's garment, ride on the king's horse, somebody should call out in front of him, give him big palm, this is, he's talking about himself, and Achashverosh says, okay, everything that you just said to do, do it to Mordechai, everything, they don't leave a thing out, every single thing that you said that you felt was chashur for a king, I want you to do that for Mordechai. Obviously, Haman wasn't so keen on this, Mordechai was his arch enemy, but he had no choice. He was going to get killed otherwise. So he goes and he searches for Mordechai and he finds him giving a shear. He was giving a shear to the Rabbanon on the Hilchas of Halachas of Kmitza. Halachas of Kmitza. That's what he found. And as soon as Mordechai saw Haman coming with a horse, he thought that you know, he was there to kill him. So basically, he said to his Talmud, okay, run away, run away before he kills all of us. So they ran away, and Haman comes over to Mordechai, and he says, what was that shear that you were just giving? It looked very interesting. What was, what, what was the sugi that you were learning together? So Mordechai explained, he says, I'm learning the halachas of kmitza. He says, tell me about that. What is kmitza? He says, okay, Kmitza is that during the time that the Beis HaMikdash was, was around, this was obviously between the two Bate Mikdash that the whole story of Purim took place in, in, uh, in, in Persia during the time of, uh, the, between the Bayes Rishon and Shani, says when we had the Bayes, when we had the Beis HaMikdash, so a person would bring a Karban Mincha. Karban Mincha is like a flower offering. And what happens is the Kayen on behalf of the, per, the owner of the, of the carbon, he takes a, there's like a bowl of flour, the kayin puts his hand into the bowl, and he makes a fist. And then he sort of takes the top flour off and the bottom flour off, on the top of the fist and the bottom of the fist, and that he puts on the mizbeach, and everything that remains outside of the fist is called shirayim, and that's given to the kayanim to eat. So the Gemara in Yuma... Uh-oh, so let me just finish the story. So Haman says, wow, that's amazing. He says, your fistful of flour, which costs, how much does it cost? Five cents, how much is a fistful of flour? Came and pushed away my 10,000 talents of silver, meaning Haman bribed Achashverish to buy the Jewish nation to destroy them for 10,000 sil- silver talents, millions of dollars. And your little fistful of flour was able to override my all of that that I offered. What's the pshat in this Gemara? So I want to say like this. This is what I think is the pshat in this Gemara. There's a Gemara in Yuma. The Gemara in Yuma is on Daf Mem Zayin Mabez, a fascinating Gemara. It speaks about the halachas of Kemitza. And it says as follows. Let's say a person has... Um, Bena Benayim Shamale Kamsay Mahu. Bena Benayim, meaning when the Kayin scoops his hand into that flower, what happens with the with the flower that's in between, that's pressed in between the fingers? 
Beina Beinaim, it's called. What's Allah? He says, the Gemara says, the one that's closest, like if you'd open your hand and it's on the inside, the flower that's inside that you could see, that's for sure Kaidish. That's part of the, the flower of the, that's the card of Mincha that goes on this back. The part that's outside on the outside of the hand, that's not part of the Mincha. That go, that's part of the Shirayim. But if you would open up your fingers and be, the flower that resides between the fingers, what's the halacha of that? And the Gemara says, uh, so the Gemara says like this, the Gemara says, after this question was posed in the base Madrash, after this message was posed, after the question was posed, so Hadar Pashta, they resolved it. They have an answer. What's the answer? Bena Benayim Suffolk Ninhu. Bena Benayim, I know the answer, it's a Suffolk. To Suffolk, that's your answer. That's the best you could do. That that we knew before the Gemara started, before the Kasha, before the Tarots. Benabinaim Suffolk. Ah, okay, thank you. Now, now it's clear. Everything is clear to me now. It's a Suffolk. So if you look in Tysus and you look in the Ritva, you ask this question: What are you talking about? Primarily the Ritva. The Tysus has the same Kasha. The Ritva puts it a lot clearer. It says what? What does it mean? Hadar Pad. This is your Pasha. This is a Suffolk. So the Ritva says like this. He says that there are some things in life that are not a suffix because we don't know what it is. We don't know whether it's this way, I don't know what, what a bracha, what bracha to make on something. I don't know if it's a shahako, I don't know if it's a if it's adam, I don't know if it's a mezainas, or it's a mitz, I don't know, that's a suffix in din, that you have to pass in what it is. You have to do your research, you have to find out what is it, mativa and you pass, and that's one type of suffix. There's another type of suffix that's not a suffix because you don't know. It's a suffix in Mitzias. Uh, the, 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 the example, and it's a classic example, this is what the Ritva says, is like, Ben Hashmashis. Ben Hashmashis is a time that's loyayim loyayim. It's not because we don't know whether it's night or day that we treat it like a, a twilight zone, but rather it's because it's, by nature, is a suffix. It has a din suffix. It's not that it's, we don't know what it is of it's Yam or Lila. It is a mixture, it is a question mark in Mitzias of Suffolk. The Ritva says that's what the Gemara is answering. It's a, this is not, you thought that it was a question, is it this way or is it that way? The answer is, it's a Suffolk and Din. It's both. Whatever you have to, whatever, in any way that you would treat, let's say, if, if, if the Shirayim and the, and the Kaidish would get mixed together, whatever the halacha is in that case, that's how you would paskin with that bena benayim. It's a din suffix. It's not a suffix that I don't know. It's a suffix that I know it's a suffix. Very big difference. I know it's a suffix. It's a suffix in Mitzis. There's no answer. It's a suffix. What does that mean? Haman is trying to destroy Klal Yisrael. And he was on a roll. He got, the, he got the ring of the king and he was going to be able to destroy them. And he sent out documents and they were, he was already on a tear. He was going to do this. All of a sudden he sees that his, his, his star is starting to go down a little bit. It's descending. He has to pull around Mardukai in the streets, embarrassed. Then he gets the, the bucket of... Uh, of, uh, of stuff on top of his head by his own daughter. Things started going south for him at that point. But he says, like, what are you doing there with the, with the kmitzah? 
the Kmitzah. Tell me a little bit about this Kmitzah that you're doing. Because he understood that this Kmitzah wasn't just a halacha. This is something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was showing him. Even, even Amalek, even Haman knows that there's no such thing as, 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 as happenstance. Everything has meaning. They don't want us to know that, but they chop this. What's the story with this Kmitzah? He said, well, when the base was around, we used to do this. And Haman all of a sudden understood that these Jews, I'm not going to be able to destroy them with, with fakers. You know why? Because a Jew has the ability to be Makadesh a Suffolk. It's not that a Suffolk, we can't get down from Sveikas. We don't have the ability, the, we don't have the luxury of allowing a Suffolk to, to do us in. We have to transcend the Suffolk, uplift the Suffolk, and make a Suffolk holy. Bena benayim mahu, Suffolk. It's a din suffolk, and we're proud of it. This is what we, as Jews, go through every single day of our life. It doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. We're not perfect. We have sveikas, and we have, we're plagued with doubts, and some days are great days, and some days are horrible days, and some days are in between. But a Jew has to understand, like the Hilchas Kmitzah, that there is a din suffolk. We could sanctify even a suffolk. We don't have to always be perfect. We have to understand that even if we have sveikas, it's okay, we'll uplift them. We're going to make them better. We're going to look at them in a positive light and we're going to be able to get through, push through those dark moments until we're able to be able to once again be whole. But don't let it get us down. And as soon as Haman chopped that, he says, your little kmitzah is able to drive away my millions of dollars of silver that I gave. It's all worthless because my only kayach is suffolk. If you're able to take a suffolk and, and sanctify it, make it holy, then I'm finished. That's my end. I want to tell you a beautiful story. Chaim Berlin has a camp in the summer. It's called Camp Morris. It's a beautiful camp up in the Catskill Mountains. And Chaim Berlin goes there Svardik uh, Yeshiva goes there, and there's a, it's just, it's a beautiful Makkum Tara situated on a very large piece of land, very flat. Guys learn outside in the grass, they learn in the base medrash, a beautiful base medrash, and they, it's, a, it's, it's a magnificent campus. If you ever go up to the country in the summer, it's Kedai just to ways Camp Morris, and just walk into the base medrash, you'll be very impressed. In Camp Morris, there's a, in the base Medrash, there's a kailal for Mechanchem. It's been there for decades and decades, which means that if there are Abayim that uh, in the summer they are not teaching their classrooms, and these are accomplished themselves, or they're maybe teaching in the mountains in a, in a camp, but in the afternoon they want to go and learn in a kailal, then they get paid to learn in a kailal, um, and they're able to... Uh, to learn with Chavrusas on a very high level, and it's a beautiful thing to be able to, uh, to behold this Chashav Akailo. There was a certain Rebbe in the yeshiva that was part of this Kailo. He was a Rebbe in a certain yeshiva in Brooklyn, and he joined this Kailo, and then he noticed that there was a Balabayas that was learning every day, he was coming into the base Madrash. He clearly looked like he was a novice in learning, he brought his art scroll, Gemara, and he was trying his best to learn, and he was reading the art scroll on the top, on the bottom, and whenever he had questions, he would go over to this rabbi or that rabbi, and he was, 
very much, you know, trying, and he was, he felt very good about himself. And one day this rabbi, who was a rabbi, he started uh, engaging in the, with this balabayas in, in conversation, what's your story, what are you doing here? And he explained to him that he never had a chance to learn yeshiva. And he's off in the summer, and now he, but he said, I have a very late stage cancer, Leolenu. I'm dying. So, so I want to be able to chaperain like a little bit of learning. I, you know, it's my last chance in this world to be able to learn, and I have this opportunity, so I, I'm living, you know, in the country here. In the summer, I figured I would come get an arts school Gemara, and it's so nice to learn every day. I'm, you know, getting my feet wet with Gemara, and if I can't understand what the arts girl is saying, I go to one of these accomplished Tamid Chachamim, and it's uh, very, very enjoyable, and I'm thriving here. This is unbelievable. A couple of weeks later, this Rebbe is looking for this Balabayas, and he's not in the normal place that he would sit, but he sees him on the far end of the base Medrash, and he looks very despondent, very depressed, and he makes a beeline over to him, and he says, how are you doing? What's wrong? Everything okay? You don't look so good. He says, you know... I started off very strong this summer and I came and I got my arts Gogamara and I was trying and I was talking to you and learning and I was talking to him. And I, but then I realized that what does it matter what I'm learning? Does it really, really matter if I learn? You know, I don't even understand what Arts Girl is writing on the bottom. And then, you know, and, I, 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 and then I go to you and I hardly understand what you're saying to me and explaining this. And like, and you know, what is this? What, in other words, I'm Malik the suffix started getting into his brain and saying, like, what's this worth? I'm sure we have these thoughts also sometimes. Is it really worth it? Like, does it really matter if I hop this tesis or I don't hop, if I go to share, if I don't go to share, if I understand every kutza shalyut or not? Like, okay, listen, what's, it's not going to make a big deal. Maybe for big, it matters. But for me, it doesn't matter. And this is what this man was saying. And he was, like, very depressed, which is what suffix does to a person which is exactly what Haman, what Amalek loves. So this Rebbe said, I want you to know something. I heard just last night on a Jewish radio station the following story, and I think it's very apropos to what you're going through. And he says like this, there was a, a very famous conductor. His name was Tuscanini. Tuscany is a very, you know, in the world of, uh, of, of Philharmonic music, uh, everybody knows Tuscanini. He was like the, like the greatest conductor of, uh, of orchestras in his time. I think he died in like the 1950s. And there was a biographer that was writing a big book on him, Bechayev. And he called him up, this Tuscanini, and he said... Um, listen, I, I want to have another interview with you for your book. And would tonight be okay for us to, to meet? Tuscanini says, no. He says, tonight is not a good night. Uh, we have to do it another night. He says, will you have something more important to do? What it would, like, you know, he's crying a little bit. What do you have to do tonight? So he says, tonight, there's a very big um, concert that's being played overseas in a foreign country. And I used to be the conductor of that particular Philharmonic Orchestra. And I'm, I, I have to hear on my shortwave radio, I have the ability to pick up that concert in real time, which was a chiddish back then, 
in the 1950s, you know, that wasn't so common. He's able to hop it on short, shortwave radio, if you know what that is. And I, want, I have to hear it very carefully. I can't be distracted at all. I have to just sit and listen with all of my concentration on this concert. So this was fascinating to the biographer. He says, if I don't talk, would it be okay if I come and I, and I observe you, the great Tuscanini, listening to the concert? He says, if you promise not to say a word, not to distract me, fine. Otherwise, I, I, you come tomorrow night, but not tonight. He says, okay, I'm coming tonight. So he drives over to his house, and he comes, and the concert's about, he says, remember, you cannot say a word. I'm listening with all of my concentration to the concert. You can't disrupt me at all. Don't talk, don't breathe. Okay. And Toscanini gets it on the shortwave radio, and he's listening to the entire concert. Maybe it took an hour, maybe more. And then afterwards, he shuts off the radio. And the biographer asks him, beautiful. Now, wasn't that a beautiful concert? And Toscanini was very bothered. Something was bothering Toscanini. And he says, no, something is very wrong. So he said, well, what's wrong? He says, there's 120 pieces in this orchestra, and there's supposed to be 13 violins, but there was only 12 violinists. There was one violin that was missing, and I couldn't get over it. That it bothered me so much that there was one violin. Out of 120 pieces, he happed that there was one, one violinist that was not playing, that was not there. And the biographer was like, come on, give me a break. You don't, that's impossible. You, you don't know that. It's just, you just made that up, right? He says, I'm telling you, there was one violinist that was missing, and it bothered me. So, the next day, this biographer calls up that concert hall in, um, you know, in that foreign country, and he says, yes, I have to speak to the conductor there, and he comes and he says, tell me, was, was, was all of the orchestra players there? He says, all of them but one. There was one violinist that had, he called in sick a few minutes before the concert started. We could not replace him. And it was missing one violinist. This guy was, was in the spell that Toscanini was able to hop this. So he comes back to Toscanini and he says, you know, he says, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I owe you, you know, you have to give me a cup, be uh, me. I doubted you. I doubted you. I didn't think it was shaykh for a human being to know on a. It wasn't like you were even at the concert that you were counting pieces or that you were in a side room that you could hear. It was on a on a transistor radio, on a shortwave radio. That it's crackly as it is. It wasn't the technology wasn't there that you can get like perfect sound, and you were able to hop that there was one piece missing. How did you know that? How is it possible for your ear to pick that up even? He says, you have to understand. He says, there's a difference between me and you. You are an audience. You're part of the audience. So for an audience, they're just basically happy. If they get the, you know, they know that, the, that this is Beethoven and it's being played and whatever, they're, they give a standing ovation. They don't care. They just, they don't hop what's missing. They just, it sounds good to the, to the novice ear. It sounds fine. I'm a conductor. To me, every single note has to be heard, it has to be played, or else my job is not done. I have to make sure that every note that Beethoven had in mind, that Mozart had in mind, is played. And if there's one 
note that's missing, that means that there's a missing violin player. There's one violin that's not there, that's not sounding that note. And that makes all the difference to me in the world. That's the story that he had heard on the radio. He said, I want you to know something. He says, maybe to you, says this Rebbe to, to this, to this Balabayas, maybe to you, you feel that there are people that, you know, that are able to be much better than you in learning, and they're steiging, and they're hopping everything, and they're giving, they're understanding share, they're giving share, they're chazering, and they're able to have asmada, and they're, those are the people that count. And you're learning on a very basic, superficial level, is irrelevant in the scheme of things. He says, that's only true from your perspective. He says, but from HaKadosh Baruch Hu's perspective, every single note counts. Every word that you're learning, as difficult as it is, and maybe even precisely because it's so difficult, it's Chashev HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the conductor of the world. You might have your doubts, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu, rest assured, is able to listen to every single word, every single Rashi, every Taisus, every letter that you're learning in Taira is chashuv by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like Tuskaninu is able to pick up on every note. That's how HaKadosh Baruch Hu picks up on every ice, every letter of Taira that we learn is chashuv to the Philomonic of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. A half a year later, this rabbi bumps into the son of this man and he asks, how is your father feeling? He says, my father was nifter a few weeks ago. But I want you to know something. He said, since camp ended, he was on such a high from something that you had told him and every single day of his life until his last day, he was learning Gemara with his art scroll And he said, he kept saying with such confidence that I am learning for the conductor of the universe. I am learning Tyra for the conductor of the universe. When Amalek comes into our minds and puts these doubts, plants these seeds of doubt, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. Does it really matter if I wake up in the morning for davening. Does HaKadosh Baruch Hu really care that I'm there or not? Does he care if I put on tzitzis today or not? Does he care about my tefillin or not? Does he care about my limanat tayra? Does he care about my chesed? Does he care about my ben adam l'chaver, ben adam l'makam? Does it really matter? Look at all the good Jews out there. There are big tzaddikim out there. They're doing their job. I don't, know if, I don't think it matters what I'm doing. I'm such a, my level of learning is in Chashev. I'm not a big tzaddik. I have a up to the wazoo. I, I, you know, to me, it, it's, it, what is it worth? That's Amalek. The way that we fight Amalek is we kasher the Suffolk. Beina beinayim mahu, Suffolk. You have a doubt? Okay. Stay strong. Learn Musr. Fake it till you make it. Get up in the morning and daven. Go to Seder and learn. And continue to understand that there is a Rabbi Shalom and whether or not today is a good day or not, I'm going to kasher the Suffolk. That's the job of a Yid. It's not to say we always have to be perfect. It's not to say that we can never have Sveikas in our minds. We have Sveikas and Amalek will, will try to really compound the Sveikas and make us crazy. 
until we want to like just lose it and drop it and, and just run. But on Purim Cotton, we have to remind ourselves that that's Haman, that's Hamalik, that's not Tyredic. That's exactly what we're not supposed to do. What we are supposed to do is we have to be machshir the suffolk. We have to make the suffolk kosher. I once had a, an idea that the Gemara says in Chulin, Mardechai minatayra minayin. How do you know Mardechai minatayra? Where do you find in the Tyre, in the Chumash, a reference to Mardechai? And the Gemara says that by the Samamanim, by the 11 spices of the Ketairas, one of them is called Mardurar. Umitargaminan Maridachya. And the Targum of those words is Maridachya, which, which sounds a lot like Mardechai. It's the same letters. So that's the remez to Mardechem and Atayr. The words Mardurar, which is the Chumash's way of, talk, of saying about this spice, Mardurar, Mar is Gematria 240, which is the same Gematria as Suffolk, which is the same Gematria as Amalek. Mar, 240, Durar. What does Durar mean? Ukrasam Durar, you set free. The job of Mardukai is to take Sveikas and let them free. Clear up your mind of Sveikas. Allow the Sveikas to just fly away. Free up the Sveikas. Ein simcha kataras hasveikas. There is no greater simcha in life than to be able to finally get rid of those Sveikas, to be able to be matter those Sveikas. Whatever the, the suffix is, just stop, get clarity. When you have clarity, when you're, you ever have like a, a, a decision that you have to make, a dilemma, should I do this, should I not do this, should I go here, should I not go there, should I uh, do this for my career, should I, do, should I marry this girl and not marry, and you don't know, you're back and forth, back and forth, making him a sugar, right? The point that you're able to pass in, this is what I'm doing, and I'm not going to look back. This is my decision. There's no greater simcha than that moment. Ain simcha kataras hasveikas. When you finally are able to decide this is what I'm doing, that's happiness, that's joy. You don't have to be plagued anymore, bogged down with these dilemmas back and forth. By the way, just parenthetically, I always thought that dilemma is from the same word as dilma. Dilma is a Lushan and Aramaic, meaning, you know, maybe. That's what a dilemma is, maybe. I don't know, I don't know. I'm maybe, I'm in a world of maybe. I don't want to be in a world of maybe. I want to be in a world of certainty. That's joy. The joy of Purim is that simcha being matir is the simcha of mar durar. Let the, let, the, let the mar, let the suffolk be free. Just get it out of your brain. Make decisions. Don't allow, don't live in that land of Switzerland, that, that neutral territory, that not here and not there, and this there and this there. I want to be able to be clear with my mind. I want to be able to be machshir the suffolk. I want to make that bena benayim how suffolk. I'm clear, I'm good with it. I own the suffolk. I'm able to live with the suffolk. And I'm able to then move on and try to absolve myself from Sveikas. But don't let Sveikas stare you in the face, make you afraid, make you shake you, rattle you to your core because I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. That's Amalek, that's Haman. We don't live in that world. A Jew doesn't live in that world. The world wants us to be meshuggah with sveikas. And the world is 
doing today a full court press on us and making us question our very ability to, to live, to exist. They don't want us. From the river to the sea, they, want to, they question the very existence of Klai Yisrael. This is not the first time in history at every Bechal Dar Vadar, This is not new. This is a repetitious cycle in Klai Yisrael's history. They want us to say to ourselves, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we don't have the moral authority to do this. Maybe we don't belong in this land. Maybe we, have, maybe we should just cower and run away. But that's not what a yid is. A yid is resilient. A yid is able to stare that in the face and say, that's Haman, that's Amalek. And that's not me. I know who I am. Baruch Hashem, I'm a yid. We're zeichet to be yidden. We're zeichet to have the tire. We're zeichet to have mitzvahs. We're zeichet to have clarity. We're zeichet to be able to know what's right and wrong. We have a good moral compass, which is the tire. Don't let anyone shake you from that core belief. In the morning we wake up, we say, Maidana, we don't think about, should I get out of bed? Should I not get it? I'm getting out of bed. What's the shayla? I'm going to say it there. I'm going to chazer my learning. I'm going to go to shir. I'm going to listen and I'm going to try to chazer shir. I'm going to chap shir. And I'm going to do everything that I can. I'm going to keep Shabbos properly. I'm going to keep Yanta properly. I'm going to learn halachas that I'm able to be fluent and, 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 and conversant in, in, in all of the kutzah and all those sifkatans of the Mishnaburah. This is the type of yid that I want to live in a world of Suffolk. With my bitachan, I'm going to be strong. With my hashkafas, I'm going to be strong. With my values, I'm going to be strong. With my ability to have clarity, that's what I want. Mar darar. This is the simcha of Purim. This is the avayda Purim katan. To be able to look at Amalek and say, no, 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 I'm not falling for that. I know that you want to creep into my mind and to sow seeds of doubt and make me question my ability to function and to have my self-esteem rocked but I'm not going to give in. I'm a Yid. I have this Mizera, Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. They never deviated from a course. They never wavered. They understood what their mission was and they fulfilled it. Meshra Abenu, Aaron, Klal Yisrael, the Shifte Ka, everything was clear by them. And Ledara Chardar, it's clear by us. We didn't survive all these thousands of years in Galos by getting frightened of the svekas around us, internally, externally, we were able to rise to the occasion and transcend all the svekas, to be able to be kashering all the suffolk, bena bena, mao suffolk, that's a din, we're fine with that. We could live with the suffolk, but now we have to be machshir the suffolk, we have to free up the svekas, and the simcha of Purim, the simcha of Purim is to be able to understand that there's a Rabbi Shalem in the world as Ashkacha Pratis. It's interesting. The Simcha Purim, what's the shir? That's a suffix, right? I don't know whether Arahaman, Baruch Mardachai, you don't know? That's a suffix. That, isn't that what Amalek is all about? What, what's going on? The answer is, yeah, that's what we do. That's what a yid does. A yid says, I'm making the suffix into a din. I'm making a suffix into... I could live with your suffix. I'm not going to be scared of your suffix. I'll, I'll incorporate the suffix into the Shulchan Aruch. But I'm not going to allow the suffix to bring me down. I'm going to 
elevate the suffolk. I'm going to make it a mitzvah to be mesupuk. That's fine. But I'm going to stay committed to the ideals of the Torah Kadesha every single moment of my life. And I'm not going to allow the influence of Amalek, the influence of Umas Elam, to shake me to the core and to allow the Sveikas to become something that I am afraid of.